hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. So let freedom reign. When we let it reign from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network, Monday, January 20th, Martin Luther King Day here in America, which means it is one of the busiest days of the NBA schedule. I'm Jay Skeets, and alongside me as always, Tass Mellis. Hi, everybody. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey yo. Hey yo. The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. And last but not least, making the magic happen, it's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. We actually learned over the weekend, guys, that JD once starred as an extra in Degrassi Junior High. Starred as an extra. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it. Yes, an iconic Canadian teen drama that started, what, I guess in the late 80s. Uh, I think early 80s. The kids well, of Degrassi yeah. Street and then uh, Degrassi Junior High which I was in, and then Degrassi High. I didn't make it to high school, though. <laughs> that's, that's, how did we not know this is what's blowing my mind. I, we've known you for like nearly 20 years. I know. I, yeah, I can't believe it's never come I up. I don't know how it hasn't. <laughs> Has anyone ever stopped you on the street and said, hey, were you in Degrassi High? Uh, it's <laughs> never happened. I've had friends say, uh, did I just see you on Degrassi Junior High? <laughs> I'm like, why are you watching Degrassi <laughs> Junior High? I mean, look, it's classic. Yeah. It, is, it is a classic show. And we found the episode, and we, we've got the screen grab. We'll have to share that. We'll have to yeah. blast that across our uh, social media accounts. And speaking of those, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Inc. You know we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Inc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. And email us your NBA questions and comments to nodunks at theathletic.com. We'll be stepping on the beach later this week, as we always do. And if you have any specific Raptors questions that you want to get to, get those in ASAP. Because tomorrow we're going to be talking to the Athletics Raptors beat reporter Eric Kareen in a little special podcast. Yeah, probably back-to-back Jack's tomorrow but yeah raptors specific questions give me some raptor news oh, you're gonna love those aren't you uh, that's exactly right get them <laughs> in you um, obviously don't have a ton of time but get those specific cues in or any question for the beach step in podcast all right guys it's monday here winners and losers of the nba weekend task why don't you get us started with the winners the lakers kyle kuzma this is a double winner because kuzma's getting recognized for his basketball abilities and mm. not his trainer insulting lebron or his blonde hair or his trade value and also, he's getting recognized for his defense. What? Something he's not really known for. So He's starting for an injured Anthony Davis right now and against the Rockets on Saturday. On national TV, the ABC primetime games, they have begun. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook gave it to the Lakers in the first half, 22, and the Rockets were up six, everything feeling fine. Then Rajon Rondo, who's sitting out for the Lakers, he suggested apparently, I'm always a little dubious of this, but anyways, <laughs> he suggested Kuzma guard Russ. And Kuzma slowed him down in the second half. He didn't shut him down, but his length 
did bother Westbrook's uh, bully ball inside. Westbrook only had 13 in the second half. And Kuzma's offense picked up. He had 17 of his 23 in the second half. Lakers win, Lakers win. And maybe it's a bit of a triple winner because Kuzma helps his trade value for the deadline that's only two and a half weeks away if they deal him. But maybe they don't deal him. I don't know. He's uh, obviously playing pretty well right now. He's up and down. He's trying to find that third role. But I know they need another ball handler. Maybe Kuzma you know, is the k- ticket to that. But he does some good things on the basketball floor. Yeah, the question for him really is when Davis comes back, what happens then? He's yeah. going to come off the bench again. And he's struggled in that role right. so far this season. But now he's confident. Yeah. So is he going to come out and, and be firing away? Can and, he carry that and, over yeah, into yeah. the bench role? But will will because that's a big adjustment for a lot of players, especially young players, to make where you're like, okay, you're off you're off the bench, then you're in the starting lineup, you play well. Now go back to the bench without it being uh, considered some sort of like you know um, demotion. Yeah, exactly demotion because it's not obviously a demotion when Anthony Davis comes back. It's just like hey, you were basically a, a, a place warmer for him until he comes back. It's shot attempts though in that role, right? That's the yeah. thing. When there's no AD, he's he gets a lot of looks. I mean, I think in the five games he started, he gets 17 shots per game, and he's chipping in 20 points per game and six boards and a couple assists. Um, shooting decent. Uh, but you're right. It's when it's like there's just less shots that you're going to get, but you still got to keep your efficiency up and knock those down, be it the threes or, or attacking. It, look, we talked about it, that, that AD injury. This might be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, Tass, you're right. Maybe it just helps his trade value. But if they keep him, maybe this does unlock him a little bit here and the Lakers are even more potent. Well, if he's going to be answering the call from Coach Rondo, too, that's a good way to stay on the court when it comes closing time because we know that the best lineups for the Lakers come playoff time will feature Anthony Davis at the five, LeBron at the four. There's going to be a slot out there for another medium-sized guy. If it's Kyle Kuzma, if he's still around at that time, uh, if Rondo's getting on him and if Kuzma's actually serious, he says, uh, you know, if I want to stay on the court, I know i got to play defense. I mean, we're half the way into the season. I imagine the Lakers being incredible at defense could have been a clue to that. Uh, but if he's willing to, to do the dirty work and be the third guy, he could still be a part of those closing lineups, I would think. He is saying the right things about the defensive end because he's going to have to scrap and be a, be a sort of a, you know, a role player, obviously, with, the, with yeah. the stars out there. And so the words are correct. But, yeah, so who you know the closing lineups are definitely Anthony Davis and LeBron. Danny Green's going to be out there yeah. as a, as a three-ball shooter spreading the floor. And the other spots... Who is it? Probably depends, right? Like if you're playing the Nuggets, maybe Dwight, right? You needed yeah. another big guy in there to, to yep. bang with Jokic, that sort of thing. But if you're playing against a faster team, you're going with the guards, I would imagine. Yep, that's exactly right. A winner of the weekend for me, the Utah Jazz, all right? They're entering MLK Day here on a 16-2 run. They've won 16 of the last 18 games. They host the Pacers later today, which should be a great game. But the Jazz over the weekend, they got Mike Conley back on Saturday. He returned to the lineup. I mean, he hadn't played in a long time, or he had missed 19 or 20 games with that left hamstring. He came off the bench, though. This is of note, of course. This is Mike Conley here. Now, he only played 15 minutes. He finished with three points, three assists, two steals. They're going to bring him along slowly. Uh, got a nice standing ovation there, though, coming off the bench. But this worked well. You know, first off, him just being a bench guy, it helps, like, it bumps Moutier basically out of the lineup. He's sort of DMPCD now, because that minute's right now going to Conley. And, oh yeah, the Jazz, who are on fire, started on fire in that game on Saturday. They scored on their first 10 possessions. So, well done, Gobert. Huge game, helping his all-star case. 28-15. and 15. The Jazz crushed the Kings, I should point that out. 123-101. They also had maybe the very solid play of oh, the season, yeah. Lily. Yeah. Oh my Beautiful. goodness. What, it was like six or seven passes. That ball was going to both sides of the ball. Guys still breaking into the lane. 
ended with the uh, three-pointer from Donovan Mitchell. It was mm-hmm. a swish bomb. But then on Sunday, Jazz weren't done. And we can talk about that Conley thing if you want. Like, will they stick with that? You know, d- dare you put Conley back in there mm-hmm. when he's a little more healthy? But anyway, on Sunday, the Jazz signed forward Royce O'Neal to a four-year, $36 million extension. Um, is the, uh, you know, prototypical 3-and-D guy. And really is. I mean, he always is defending the best perimeter player on the other team. And then he's been great uh, from distance. He's shooting 44.3% from three. And he's, he's a full-time starter on this team. Now, that's interesting. If Conley does start, then O'Neal's probably out of the starting lineup. But I don't know if you you know, you know mess around with this. And maybe Conley, despite making the big bucks, is better suited coming off the bench and leading that second unit. Coming into the season, there was definitely worries that the Jazz had a really good starting five and that they wouldn't be able to bring anybody off the bench. So maybe Conley sticking around there, being a little bit more of a distributor compared to Jordan Clarkson, who's just going out there and trying to get buckets. Maybe that's the way it works because ever since Joe Ingles went into the starting lineup, the Jazz have been great. I don't know. There's a weird collection of guys on the bench for the Jazz. George Niang. (laughs) Yep. Tony Bradley guys yep. that like literally when they're running up and down the court I'm mixing up their two names for each other they get they're like inverses of each other to me I don't know what it is Bradley but, uh, Tony Bra- Bradley <laughs> Niang yeah you can mix them all up oh Brad Anthony uh, but they they have been producing uh, as of late so I don't know maybe a little extra juice with Conley's the right move mm. yeah. well, well, I, I think it's fine. I think, you know, again, coaches are superstitious almost like this, where it's like, let's not mess with things just to sort of appease Mike Conley if he needs to get out in the starting line. I don't think he's that type of guy anyway. No, you wouldn't think so. I think he's kind of like, you know what, things are rolling. I'll just, I'll work my way back into this team. Yeah, that, that all said, it's weird for maybe a guy making $32 million to be coming off the bench. Yeah, but they I'll didn't sign him to that. You know, it's not <laughs> yeah. it's not their contract per se. It's, you know, he came over, he's a free agent anyway after this season. So it's like, hey... You know, Mike, you've been a great player, but things weren't going all that well for you at the start of this season. This might be the role we found for you. This might suit everybody better, even if it means a few less minutes and a few less shots for Mike Conley if they're winning. I think yeah. I think both sides of the party would be happy with that outcome. Yeah, if they're winning, that's that's definitely the key. If they were losing, it'd be easy to just throw him in there for Royce O'Neal again, uh, because he would be the guy, even in this scenario, that would be back uh, on the bench. Joe Ingles has been too good in the starting yeah. spot. He's been a key. To, he's just he is what the Jazz are in years past. He he is their he's really their you know their secondary point guard. He is sort of their point guard with Donovan Mitchell out there. So th- there isn't necessarily that key role. I mean, this is Mike Conley in the sort of the Ginobili role. Like he can take over if hmm. if they need him. But he is playing alongside Jordan Clarkson. So that's you know they're they. Conley doesn't have to score as much, uh, mm-hmm. but it does kick Moutier out of the rotation, uh, like you said, Skeets, yeah. and that's uh, you know it kind of sucks for Moutier, who's who's he's been no, he's, yeah, he's been good, he's been fine, he's, he's been fine, but and I'm this is still a, gonna take Conley over him, yeah, of course, <laughs> and this is uh, a big kudos to uh, Quinn Snyder if he can pull this off, uh, if he can let uh, make Conley come off the bench, and Conley, and if Conley's okay with that, and as we said, Conley. He's a good soldier. He's a good boy. I, I think he'll say, be fine coming uh, off the bench. I should just clarify, he has a player option next year yeah. for $32 million. So he could be a free agent if he wants to be next season. <laughs> Probably won't be. <laughs> Probably won't no. be. Better yeah. himself. What do you think about the uh, extension there, just quickly? You for know? O'Neal? Yeah, four years, $36 million. I think Nine for, I think for the, where the current NBA is, a contract like that is very, very... Um, suits Utah fine they get a good player it's certainly not a contract that they wouldn't be able to move if things don't work out for him and I think he's earned that as well I think yeah. on that team he, he gets overlooked his contributions because there are a lot of other really uh, good players that stand out a little bit more but he's pretty important to them so I think this is wise to do this maybe now get him locked up too because if you know you look at the free agents class this 
in the summer, it's not far-fetched to think of a team possibly throwing more money oh, at yeah. him um, and trying to allure him to their squad. So, yeah, Jazz get that done and, and are looking pretty good here. Yeah, $9 million for a starter. A-OK. And I don't think this goes the way of Dante Exum's contract that they signed uh, last year where they signed Dante Exum to a three-year extension around you know the $28, $29 million mark, whatever that was, and that didn't work out. I think that's a little different. Royce O'Neal has been uh, healthy and uh, mm. fit in the bill and can hit a shot. Trey, who do you got for a winner of the weekend? Well, the Celtics lost their only game this weekend. Mm, yeah. But I still got to give some love to a Beantown boy. <laughs> Marcus Smart, wow. 11 threes. Are you kidding me? There was no Kemba Walker in this game against the Suns. No Jalen Brown. So Marcus Smart went out there and took all of the available shots. <laughs> went 11 of 22 from three. Honestly, just a crazy line. Wow. Considering it's Marcus Smart, did a little research. Did yep. a little research into this. Uh, three-point percentage-wise, Marcus Smart has the second-worst career three-point percentage of anybody that's made 10 or more threes. Worst? 10 or more threes. Not Zach Levine. No, oh. no, no. He's a decent guy. Yeah. He's uh, the worst ever. Did Westbrook, gonna be have, tough. Westbrook have a crazy Bald one? Head. Uh, Daniel Marshall? No, no not no, bad. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, not Terrence Ross. He was, he was early on the leader list. But Brian he's, Shaw? That's right. Whoa. Brian Shaw. Good one. Wow, nice. Wow. Um, but also, Marcus Smart, of any players who have atw- attempted 20 or more threes, by far the worst three-point percentage. Uh, so you guys want to take a guess at all of the players in NBA history who JR. have attempted a 20 or more threes. There's been 11. JR Curry. and Marcus Smart. Yep, Curry. James Clay. Harden. James Harden, the only one to do it more than once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clay. Clay. Yeah. Uh, uh, You've got two more something. active guys. One guy is not going to be active for much longer. Lillard, maybe? No, no Lillard. Uh, 20 is a lot. 20 is a ton of three-point yeah. attempts in one game. I mean... Westbrook, no way, right? No Westbrook. Okay. Uh, Vince. Vince Carter. Oh, wow. yeah. 2007, apparently. He jacked up 23s <laughs> literally 13 years ago, probably, still in the league. Probably against the Raptors. Could be. Could be. So one more current guy. Happened this season. Hmm. Burton's? No. Buddy Heald? There you go. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. All right, then let's go back into the... The deeps, the deeps. Uh, we're talking about an early three-point shooter. Glenn Rice. No. Dale Ellis. Known more for a volume, definitely a volume. Wayne Antoine Walker. No, no, but even earlier than that, crazy release. One of the all-time craziest releases. Michael Reggie Adams. Miller. Reggie Miller. Michael Adams. Oh, it is. Adams. Uh, you got a Hall of Famer, an all-time great. Um, these 20 attempts may have came in his last NBA game. Kobe. I'm not totally sure of that. That's right, yeah. Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> and then who else do we got? We've got a Raptors legend. Um, Tracy Murray? No, no. Oh, nice um, Capono? <laughs> one of the earliest uh, notable Raptors. What the, okay. He's um, hanging in this very Damon studio. Stoudemire? If you're looking at me, you're wow. seeing it, baby. I guess maybe not anymore. Yeah. Moved around. Damon Stoudemire, the last one. Damon Stoudemire? Damon Stoudemire, <laughs> he wasn't a Raptor when he did it. It was 05. Uh, yeah. um, but the last guy, it's funny because his name came up when we were popping packs last week. Hmm. George McLeod. That's right. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Skyman himself, George McLeod. But uh, yeah, <laughs> 11 for 22 from Marcus Smart. And it's funny, Tess, that you mentioned Don, uh, Danielle Marshall. I read the oral history on the night when he hit all of his yeah. threes from Blake Murphy on The Athletic. And you just, uh, like, Leo Routens was talking about, like, the defense was just terrible. Oh. There was nobody around him. And that's kind of what was happening with Marcus Smart. There's a reason he was open yeah. for 22 three-pointers, uh, but... When you have two other guards out in Kemba and Jalen Brown, I guess you got to take them. Yeah. And he made half of them, so keep shooting. Yeah, Yeah, you take that. 
But he sure. went, yeah, and career high, right? Thirty-seven points for right. him, which yeah. is obviously that's no, that's a no-brainer. But you're right; that's probably the game plan. A little bit from the Suns, like, okay, okay, shoot we'll, it. Yep. We'll live with Marcus Smart <laughs> taking a ton of threes, and we'll get the W. And then look, Marcus Smart said the right things after too, like classic Smart. He's like, I don't care about the oh, Celtics yeah. franchise record for made threes. Like, I'd take the win any day of the week. <laughs> and then they still lost to the Suns. That was yeah. a good game from them. All right, I love that one. Uh, who do you got, Lee? I'm going with uh, Spurs assistant coach Becky Hammond. Last night, Spurs versus Heat, five-point game with 128 to go. Jimmy Butler goes inside, gets a questionable foul call, goes up for an and one, and Derek White clearly goaltends the right, ball. Right, So that would have made it a three-point game with Jimmy Butler going to the line for a possibly and one. And it was a bad call on the foul. It was clearly um, even a bad call on the continuation as well that he was able to get that. But the referees called it, and Popovich was upset, as he always is. But you can clearly see Pop mouth the words no no challenge he says no challenge so they basically say okay and then becky comes running off the side and says basically why not challenge it we got one it's a timeout just challenge it yeah and so the referees do challenge it or excuse me pop and the spurs do challenge it and that took 28 seconds after they ruled that the basket was good on the Jimmy Butler continuation. So this just dragged on and on and on. Oh, it was crazy. Forever. I was watching Forever. This. Yeah. So they got it within the, the 30 second <laughs> well, window. challenge window. I mean, they, they did from the time that they adjudicated that the uh, the goal 10 went down, but this was after about a minute. Oh, of, it was so long. I, I mean, Spolster was there yelling. Like, watch. This is hilarious. Pop yelling at the refs. Spolster yeah. is also yelling at the refs. And you're right. Becky's in there trying to tell him. But Spolster is also kind of like, well, it's Pop, so I don't want to get into a I shouting know, match with Pop here. Um, but anyway, anyway, they ultimately overturned the uh, continuation. Yeah. So they call the foul, which was a dubious foul on DeRozan. I mean, okay, yeah. He, he, like Jimmy Butler sort of like embellishes. Anyway, yeah. so the Spurs get the ball on side out of bounds, but they're down, they remain down five, five. rather than potentially round, down two. Jimmy Butler goes to the free throw line, gets fouled, and makes two anyway. But still, I mean, Becky convincing Pop to challenge... Save them at minimum one point. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, in, it was the right call. It was yeah. the right, right move. And considering the Spurs right now, they need every single win uh, they can. And, 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 and ultimately, the, um, the Heat didn't score again after the Jimmy Butler right. free throw. Duncan Robinson had a chance to tie yes. it. A decent look at three, and he had been on yeah. fire in that game. But, but it was just scoring. hilarious how, how, how crazy it kind of was and how long it took. Oh, you know, it's very funny. I was watching the Heat broadcast. So I'm watching the away broadcast on League Pass. Um, when all this is happening, I mean, if you can fire it up, like, go look at it. Whoever's operating the 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 bug, the score bug for the Heat broadcast is so confused. It, <laughs> I swear to God, it changes four times in, like, the span of, like, 30 seconds around all of this. It's like, yeah, it's like 102, and then it's back to, like, it goes to 99, and then it's over to 101. It's like... I would have been. I would have paid so much money to be in that <laughs> in that truck with the uh, you know the director or whoever yeah. or producer yelling at the score operator like how wrong. Cause, and then they literally just give up and take it off the screen because yeah, like yeah. they could not figure out what the hell the score. Well, that's was. the thing. I don't think so people funny. understood if the challenge was on the continuation or the foul. Right. Because when you're in the arena, you're like, so what? What's going on? And yeah. then it was like, okay, the challenge was um, upheld, but it's still heat ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was like it was crazy, but anyway, the Spurs won, yep. and um, and Becky, like like I say, Pop, he he gives up, he gives up, and he says no, no challenge <laughs> yeah. to the refs, and so at that point, the refs should take it. Well, that's what you said, that's it. <laughs> but instead, twenty eight seconds, the window's open. Yeah, the window's still open. Yeah. So uh, just a just a crazy little end to that game there. Fun, for sure, for sure. All right, I like that one. Tash, you got another one? Yeah, I'll sneak one in here. Kyle Lowry, 
For the Raptors, Kyle Lowry, in the cloudy field of uh, potential Eastern All-Star guards. It's cloudy out there. Lowry's balling out at the perfect time. Reserves announced in 10 days, and the coaches have their ballots, I think. Anyway, and Lowry is one of those guys that he may or may not be an All-Star, but it's not clear who's making it. So Old Faithful is balling, and I'll call him Old Faithful because he's made five straight All-Star games. In this murky field of guys, you know, you forget that he's made five straight All-Star games, right? Yeah. Uh, in this murky field of guys who haven't made it or are on losing teams like Bradley Beal or Jalen Brown or Zach Levine, who's in both categories, Lowry's averaging over 20 points per game for the first time in a few seasons. He had 28 in 28 minutes on Saturday versus Minnesota, which is a low minute total for him because he's leading the league in minutes played per game at 37.4 minutes. So maybe those coaches say, whoa, this rock, this old rock, he deserves an all-star spot. And coaches love voting for guys that have been there before. He might sneak in. Yeah. He might sneak in, especially yeah. especially because it is so murky and a lot of guys will get votes, and maybe Lowry gets just enough. I think it's uh, it's in play. I, I didn't think it was possible at mm. the start of the year. I'll be honest. I've said it on the podcast, but I've changed my tune. I, you know, He's probably more a deserving all-star this year than he was last year, in, in all mm. honesty, with all of the injuries and the way he's played yeah. and leading the league in minutes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. He's doing a lot for that team. He's, he's had to fire away. And uh, he's you know shooting three and a half more times than last year. He's scoring six more points per game. His percentages are even a, a touch better. He's doing a lot. He uh, takes a lot of charges as well, which coaches respect. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I love to see a guy on the floor. Yeah. I was trying to work him into my starters uh, last week, and the games missed is the problem. But, yeah. I mean, 20 points a game, seven and a half assists, four and a half rebounds, the guy's going to be an all-star. One He's of the best deserving, def- for sure. Defensive yeah. guards in the league, for sure, yeah. Um, and the Raps are they are finally healthy here, right? I mean, they finally are – Basically, hashtag full squad. Um, so we'll see what they can do in the second half of the season if everybody stays healthy. All right, I like that one. I got a couple of sort of mini ones I'll throw at you guys. We can address them. Um, John Morant is a winner of the weekend. Grizzlies, yes, again. Because it was unofficial, like, Murray State Night on Friday in Memphis. Almost three entire section um, sections of FedEx Forum's lower level were filled with Murray State fans nearly two hours before tip-off. So they came out in droves. There were apparently, like, a 1,000 of them there. And it's like... Uh, I think it's like a three and a half hour drive or something to Memphis from Murray, hmm. uh, Kentucky. And he put on a show. I mean, he puts on a show every game. We've been trying to tell you watch Grizzlies games, watch Grizzlies games. This guy is something special. Series of awesome layups, the, the one handed, you know, kisses off the glass driving into traffic. He had an awesome mid air pass to set up a Jaron Jacks Jr. dunk. That was the one where it looked like Crowder was going to throw him the oop. And he was like, oh, there was too many bodies in the way, so he just caught it, floated, floated, you know, <laughs> made an espresso, hung up there a little bit longer, and he's like, okay, now I'll, now I'll pass it to Jaron Jackson Jr., who's finally gotten down the floor. Like, it's crazy, like, just how long he can stay in the air. Um, that one was sick. 40 seconds later, oh, he finishes the oop. Crowder again. He's like, all right, this one, uh, there's nobody in the way. Huge one-handed alley-oop jam on the break. But then the play of the night was not even a play really, in the box score. I mean, it wasn't a, a successful Grizzlies play, really. That midair sort of backhanded little shovel pass where he's spinning sort of 360 after it looks like he thought about trying to, like, decapitate someone with a dunk, and it goes to Triple J, and he, like, gets blocked, so it's like an almost dunk, but doesn't happen. I mean, he, ha- he now has John Morant, like, two of the, like, highlight plays of the year that aren't even really plays. <laughs> the one where he almost jumped over Kevin Love, and now this one. That pass was unreal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not even an assist. <laughs> he he's got so much time when he's in the air. 
Like he just he gets up there and it's like you're saying that he's got he's making a cup of coffee for people. He just you know? like he's like, what am I gonna do now? <laughs> but uh, mm. even the NBA account tweeted out. <laughs> oh yeah, the pass that was actually nothing. I know. Crazy, crazy stuff. His but. near misses are just as thrilling <laughs> as anything going on in the NBA right now. Yeah. This might be a hot take, but I'll say that that is the best non-assist <laughs> since Jason Williams' elbow pass that Rafe LaFrance didn't finish. Mm. Well, well, check the tapes. <laughs> go back and review every single pass in the NBA in the past 20 well, years what about and get the, back to me. What about that Bargnani uh, bounce pass off the floor that I've talked about before <laughs> that uh, was then called a foul way back in Raptors' days? I mean, it's pretty sick, too. Yeah, I... I've been saying this a couple times on Twitter. I saw Nate Jones sort of echoing these thoughts as well. It's His passes are so Penny Hardaway 2.0. It's unreal, man. Go watch Penny Hardaway highlights. It's very similar. I, I, there's no other way to describe it to me. And I, I freaking loved Penny Hardaway when I was a kid. And um, same thing here with John Moran. Mm. It's The athleticism is just off the charts. I know, it bonkers. still scares me to watch him because he gets up so high and he does it so quickly. You just think, oh man, I hope he makes it down okay. <laughs> no. It's not reckless. He, he picks the spots. Well, I think, he doesn't. Know. Like, he didn't try and dunk on whoever that was that he was supposed to. He could have He could have nearly done that as well. That's the thing. <laughs> when you look at the slow mo, you think, boy, if he really <laughs> kept going, he might have been able to throw that one down. It was, you know, maybe you just sort of get caught in that moment. But, uh, th- th- like, I feel that he doesn't. He goes up and he's like, I don't really care about my body in this instance. I'm, I'm trying to create the yeah. play. But that's a, a lot of young guys tend to do that. Uh, but yeah, so far he's, he's made it down okay. But there are a couple of times you're like, he's up so yeah. high and no, his body's flying around. It's like, ugh. I just can't believe how long he floats in the air. It looks wild. Not even in slow-mo. When you just watch it in real time, you're like, guys are now down on the ground and he is still, <laughs> like, just now started coming down. It is, it's cool, that levitation there. Uh, winner of the weekend is Steph Curry, too. Over the weekend, Curry tried out his skills at a, as a sideline reporter on the Warriors broadcast. They got the win, 14-point win over the Magic. He was joking about his plus-minus stats uh, as a broadcaster. Mm. Um, he was showing love to his brother-in-law, Damian Lee, on the, on the, during the game. He had a little play-by-play. He called uh, Azubuike, um, Azubuike. I always screw up how you say, actually say clean his name, but he called him Khaleesi, which was <laughs> very, very funny. And the Warriors are now 2-0 and with Clay or Curry on the call. Splash Brothers. Uh, that Keep is, him out. That's for real. Um, and in addition to Curry doing that, uh, the real reason maybe he's a winner of the weekend. The Athletics' Marcus Thompson the second. He reported that Curry is eyeing a March 1st return from injury. So we're going to see Curry at some point uh, this season. They've got that one sort of circled on the date versus the Wizards. Great tweet from Julie Fair pointing out that he's coming back on 3-1. I saw Whoa. that. I saw that. Very, very funny. Uh, <laughs> quick winner of the weekend to Kawhi Leonard, just because he's dominating right now. He's timed this well with the uh, All-Star starters votes uh, being... Well, they had to be in, I guess, by the end of today. Kawhi's last five games, 36 points per game, five and a half boards, five assists, two and a half steals, shooting 56% from the floor, 43 from three on a lot of attempts, and 86 at the line. All of that in 33.3 minutes per game. Um, John Schumann pointed out, too, Clippers points scored per 100 possessions over those five games. When Leonard's on the floor, 125.3, and when he's off, 97.6. Terminator Kawhi, uh, mm. he's rolling right now. And that was an awesome game um, between the Clippers and the Pelicans over the yeah. weekend. That was one of the better games, I would say, and, and he was special on that one. Pacers, winner, beating the Nuggets, rallying to beat the Nuggets on Sunday, 115-107. This is kicking off a five-game road trip for them. So that's a hell of a weekend for the Pacers when you pair that win over Denver, 
who was who was shorthanded, no doubt, with no Millsap and Murray and, and Gary Harris, but still nice win coming back. And then you pair that with that two-point win over the Wolves on Friday where Malcolm Brogdon, another little game-winning floater, getting to his spot, kissing it up there. They're giving – Sabonis and Brogdon are giving each other – doing each other no favors for who's <laughs> going to be in the All-Star here because – uh, uh, in the earlier win, you're like, yeah, Brockton, game winner. That's awesome. And then you watch Sabonis against the Nuggets, like four offensive rebounds in the last minute of the game. He's just putting them away. Yeah, 22 points, 15 boards, 10 assists. First career triple-double for the Lithuanian on Sunday. Doug McDermott, too. Oh, my God. Dougie McBuckets, 18 in the fourth quarter. He was on fire as the Pacers came back. Uh, and they've won five straight. They're now 8-8 eight and eight when they play teams with a better record than 500. I, I said another big game for them tonight. That's a tough back-to-back. Go into Denver and then follow it up going to Utah tonight on MLK Day here. They pull off that win? My goodness. Mm. That would be wild. Um, but, yeah, T.J. Warren, too. And not even just since the Jimmy Butler uh, little exchange, but he's uh, he's averaging 21 points per game on 55% shooting over the last 11 games. That's sort of really, at times, their primary scoring option. Yeah, he's looked great. I'm happy I, I threw him in the mix there. He's not going to win it, but, like, when we were talking most approved, I didn't go with him. I obviously went with uh, Jonathan Isaac, and I was giving Siakam uh, some love there, trying to go back to back on MIP. But threw Warren in there, and he's 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 balling well. It's nice mm-hmm. to see him on a good team. And maybe he would have been doing this with the Suns because they got better. But uh, he's uh, that guy can score. He scored. Warren Warren. Yeah, in, in his second season there in uh, Phoenix, he was getting some. But getting no one some cared. Bucks. No, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's. Uh, now on this thing, I mean, you, you mentioned there, Sabonis 22, Warren 22, Brogdon 22, and then Dougie 24 off the yeah. bench. Like, that's, I mean, for a coach to have that sort of balance and that many options, that's great. But it's the paces, again. It's just five in a row, they're just cruising along. Yeah. You know, just as they do. Uh, one more winner of the weekend to the Blazers' books. The financial books for Portland. Uh, they confirmed a deal over the weekend. It's going to be uh, not official, official probably till Tuesday. But they they're sending Kent Bazemore, Anthony Tolliver, and two second round picks to the Kings for Trevor Ariza, Caleb Swanigan, Swanigan and Wenyan Gabriel. Um, Portland, they're doing this because they're shedding something like twelve point five million dollars in salary. Uh, they're still over the the luxury tax line, but they may not be done here, right? Um, is would everybody think of this little deal a minor deal didn't call for an emergency podcast by any means <laughs> trevor reza just gets traded that's what he does it was about this time <laughs> last year point. he got traded remember and uh yeah he's got a partial guarantee for next season yeah uh Bazemore and Tolliver they're expiring but reza is only guaranteed like 1.8 million of that 12.8 million for next year mm. and which is why a big part of the uh you know the the uh, saving money here for the Blazers because they're not also they're not good. <laughs> is that is this what's going yeah. on? Are they just going to be like, well, we're like eighteen and twenty five, so let's try and totally dodge that tax. And again, maybe it is moving Whiteside or Herzonia or some of these guys they just got to cut even more money. Well, it's good for the Kings that they got rid of a guy who's not going to be part of their future team. You know, Bazemore's unlikely to be part of there, right. and so not that looming cloud of a guy who's going to be around in Trevor Ariza, who's taken minutes from like a Bogdan Bogdanovich. They just had too many guys. And so they're starting to s- slim it down a little bit. And Trevor Ariza doesn't care about shooting, I guess, uh, as much as Kent Bazemore. I, I don't know. Is that an upgrade? It's 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 pretty lateral. But, <laughs> it's a lateral grade. But, but Trevor Ariza has been part of good defenses that went to the conference finals, that won championships. He is a one-time NBA champ with the Lakers. So I, it's the same thing we did say when he went from Phoenix yeah. to Washington last year. 
didn't really help Washington. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's no, it doesn't. Something. It doesn't really help or hurt the Blazers' uh, race to get back in the playoffs. This mm. move, Probably it only not. helps their books. Because, again, you can't have the highest payroll and be 18 and 25. But, you know, didn't Bazemore expect to shoot a little bit? Because you're not getting shots with Dame, CJ, and Mello. Mm. Yeah. And Trevor, I don't think, cares. So. Either way. Yeah. Probably doesn't do a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to get excited about a, a money trade. Yeah. This is a straight-up money trade. Use the cash app on this. How many times do you think Trevor Ariza has been traded in his career? Four, five, six. Seven. Yeah. What? Holy. This is the seventh time he's been traded. Yeah. Happens a lot. You're rightly. Yeah. Holy. I didn't know well, that. Well, I remember when Phoenix signed him as a free agent, he was maybe to help the young guys there. They ship him off to Washington. Washington didn't make the playoffs. Goes to Sacramento. Maybe he can be a veteran presence. They ship him off to Portland. So he's one of those players. Like we sort of value, we know he can. he's a three and D type of guy, but he needs to be on a contender I guess I mean he's not really on one now but he needs to no, be in, he needs to be in a team that's that's trying to win not trying to groom the younger guys I guess yeah possibly um, Portland does create a 7.2 million and a 1.7 million trade exception as part of this deal I do think both of these teams are going to be making some more uh, whatever call it minor moves maybe here before the deadline uh you know, obviously Dwayne Dedman still wants out in yeah. theory from Sacramento if they can find a taker for him. But good on the Kings for at least picking up some picks here. Um, in really nothing that's going to hurt them long term, and that's why they got those picks because they get out of a reason. Help out the Blazers with their books, as I said. Semi Swami Swanigan. Mm, yeah. All right, let's get to losers of the NBA weekend. Lee, who do you have? I'm going with a team that only played once. Uh, the Houston Rockets on Saturday night had a home date against the Los Angeles Lakers and uh, things started off okay they took a lead into halftime but then it just the wheels just fell off in the third quarter and the thing with the Rockets we know they like to just get out there and shoot threes and really that's that's their motus operandi it's like we're just going to try to just basically out out, it's like a track meet and we're just going to try to score as many points as we can which is fine they've had a level of success with that but the concern for me, just again watching that one, is they really don't have a plan B at all. At all. It's like, just keep shooting, guys. One for 11 from three in that third quarter that cost them the game in the end. Now, you, you look at one game and say, well, they you know weren't firing them. And other games, when they're all hot, it looks great. Right. But just from what we've seen in the playoffs in the last couple of years, this sort of tends to happen at some point. And, and the Rockets don't have a way of, of even just saying, all right, when they're not falling, maybe let's just try something else. It's, it's okay to take a couple of mid-ranges from time to time or just try something else. Don't shoot it as soon as you get it. I know that it's sort of their philosophy is just like D'Antoni likes guys, just shoot it if you're open. But it, it just drives me crazy sometimes when I'm just like, okay, I mean, just give it five seconds, guys, <laughs> you know? Like, just give it five seconds. You haven't scored for like 10 straight possessions. Just uh, guys, uh, take a breath. <laughs> right. You know, take a mid ranger for a treat. <laughs> Just do it. Just do what, it. What do you think about you know D'Antoni and even Westbrook and Harden like saying everybody relax here because they've lost three in a row. Um, they've dropped four or five. You know they're in a bit of a funk here, but they're like, hey, look, D'Antoni was basically saying, look at us last year. We were basically in last place in the Western Conference yeah. at the start of the year, and we finished. You know, we finished the regular season just fine. Um, think that's fair or? Well, they're, they're, that is they're, how they're the, that's only, their mentality. I know. They're still only two and a half games no. back of third with the Nuggets, but I, I just I don't believe that they've got some, any substance under this game. It's, it's kind of like if it works and they get hot and they go on a four or five game streak of everyone being on fire, it'll look great. 
But in, in games like this and a nationally uh, televised game against the Lakers, it's like, I think it wasn't a total humiliation, but I think it was like, wow, they just don't seem to have learned their lessons from years gone by either. Yeah. That's, uh, that, I mean, I thought Westbrook was okay, particularly in that first half. You talk about uh, Kuzma being switched on in the second half. Um, Westbrook's played some games where he's like, he, he's aggressive. He's taken advantage, advantage of defensive uh, matchup. But then I just, I just think, man, they just, just, just stop firing away here. Just give it a break. But they won't. They won't. I mean, I give know that's, that's the Maury strategy. It's the D'Antoni strategy. They don't care about how the game looks. They just, they believe that this is going to get them yeah. uh, a championship. And, and right now, I think they're further from a championship than getting closer to it. Had to be a, a little humiliating, too, with so many Lakers fans in attendance and cheering on uh, LeBron and yep. getting MVP. That sucks, too, in your own barn. Yeah. Like you said, on a primetime matchup on ABC yeah. on Saturday night. I mean, and they, and they had looked great in the first half. Yeah. This is the Rockets, though. It's, this is how it goes with them. It's going to happen in the regular season where they're, they lose four or five and then they win six or seven. And it's unfortunately probably going to happen in playoff series, too. And you're just praying that it lasts for two and a half months straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough because you can feel Harden feels very tired to me. Like he, the past week and a half, he's been playing a whole bunch of minutes. He's been having some really low shooting percentages. But like you're saying, Lee, there's not much of a plan B. Westbrook is kind of the plan B, and he's not able to really carry the whole load for the Rockets right now. So Harden has to be out there playing, doing a whole bunch for them to be a successful team and try and keep their seating in the Western Conference. And then that, of course, plays a factor when they get into the playoffs, and then he's wearing down a little more when the game's even more intense. Maybe they just got to take some mid-rangers. Give those threes (laughs) a break, baby. Just give it a break. So they're they're three games up of OKC and then six and a half up on Memphis for eight. So they're they're probably, where they are right now, they're probably going to finish fifth or sixth, maybe fourth, you know, depending on how those other teams go. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it just... When you look at Utah in the first round last year, they killed the Jazz. You know, they had no problems at all against them. But then, again, against the Warriors... It was like, oh, they're not working. Okay, that's it. We don't have any other idea of what to do. So, Rocket, so a loser of the weekend for Lily there. Who do you got, Trey? The Slug Life Cavs are a loser <laughs> of the weekend. They lost Friday to the Grizzlies, lost Saturday to the Bulls. They blew a double-digit lead against the Bulls as Zach Levine went for 42, auditioning for an all-star spot. But let's talk about that Friday game because Tristan Thompson was ejected for <laughs> slapping a butt. <laughs> Tristan Thompson yep. and Jay Crowder got into it with each other. Uh, they picked up a couple of technical fouls earlier. So then later in the game, as Crowder was leaving, he says something to Tristan Thompson. Thompson just gives him a little slap on the booty as he walks by, earns him his second technical for taunting. He gets the old heave-ho, which leads to an actual conversation on the record with an NBA official. Ken Maurer was said, was asked, did the second technical foul have anything to do with words exchanged between Thompson and Jay Crowder, or was it simply the butt slap? Maurer responds, just simply the butt slap. <laughs> it's a real quote from a real oh, NBA man. official. Uh, obviously, Crowder and Thompson played half a season together on the Cavs, so they got a little bit of a relationship, and Tristan Thompson was pretty funny to hear afterwards, basically being like, well, I guess you can't talk to anybody who you used to play basketball with anymore, because they don't know that we were teammates. All I did was slap him on the butt. Crowder says, a lot of bark, no bite. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> this pretty is, weird. Uh, pretty uh, reminiscent of Morris Peterson and Vince Carter mm. way back. I think that was 06, <laughs> when Vince was on the Nets and, and Mo Pete on the Raps. 
Because that was like the slap fight, right? Remember? Yeah. Didn't Vince like, he like he got- jokingly slaps Mo Pete. Yeah. Mo Pete slaps him back. And I think it was Steve Javi was the only one to see the Mo Pete slap. Yeah. He's like, hey, you're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> That's similar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's well, actually a long history of like every, I don't know, like every 10 years, there's a random ejection for butt slapping. Like yeah. I think uh, Boogie and Zach yeah. Randolph had one. Oh, yeah. There's like a Grant Hill and Reggie, Reggie Evans, Evans slapping was, butts. That was a preseason <laughs> game, I think. And the greatest thing about the Reggie and the Grant Hill one is how they both get ejected and you see them walking off the court together, together like, two, like two naughty schoolboys. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a lot more aggression in there, butt slapping. Like it was like, hey, don't slap me. And then Grant slaps him back, and then Reggie goes at him. Yeah. In this case, Tristan Thompson was like just a, on your way through there, yeah. Jay Crowder. I mean, come on. That was gentle. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, but we've been tracking the boost all season long, so yeah. this was huge to see. This was big. So Tristan Thompson, a loser of the weekend, unfortunately, for getting tossed for just touching a boost. <laughs> Hate to see it. Tass, who you got? The Atlanta Hawks. Might, <laughs> might seem weird because they won in San Antonio on Friday. Yeah. First time the Hawks have won in San Antonio since 1997. <laughs> Atlanta starting five on Friday weren't born the last time they won in San Antonio. <laughs> All five guys, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Brembury, and John Collins. Wow. The Hawks had lost 21 straight in San Antonio. So why shouldn't we be applauding the Hawks after the weekend? Well... They go home and they lose on Saturday to the Pistons. The Pistons, 136-103. to 103. They gave up 76 bench points. That's like a whole team's worth right there. Markeith Morris, 22 off the bench on 7 of 10. Svee Mihailuk. Svee had 25 and shot 9 of 11. Pistons shot nearly 60% overall. That just means team isn't ready to rotate and play defense. And I guess it's a double loss because it kind of hurts Trey Young's all-star chances just because they remain in the Eastern Conference basement when they could have been up in 14th if they won that game. <laughs> so just a stinky, stinky little end of a back-to-back there. Yeah, especially after that Hawks. crazy comeback, too. They were yeah. down pretty big Double late digits. to the Spurs yeah. to, to pull that off and mm-hmm. hurt it with the big shot. Yep. He's yes. hit a couple of big ones, Kev. Yes. Are you calling him Kev? Big Kev. We're yeah. calling Kevin Herter Kev. <laughs> big Kev? <laughs> what? Big Kev. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Trey Young got, a, got away with a, a behind-the-back pass on that big Kev game yeah. winner right there. If it got stolen, I mean, it was pretty much in the open because he was the getting doubled. The hockey assist, it was the hockey right? assist, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, you know, he would, he would he would be getting killed for being all fancy schmancy, but uh, it worked out. A crazy, crazy behind the back leads to a game winner from Kevin Herter, and yeah, they looked fine that night. But you can't lose by thirty three at home to to the Detroit Pistons, who no. are also a losing basketball team. No, that's a bad bad loss. You're right. Yeah. Um, a couple other mini losers, just quickly here, guys. The the Sixers. Caught with six players on the floor. <laughs> this was amazing. They got a technical foul. They had six men out there toward the end of the first quarter uh, over the weekend. After a lot of like yelling and confusion, like Furkan Korkmaz's three was wiped off the board uh, and the possession was awarded to the Bulls. <laughs> Jim Boylan was furious. Uh, Sixers coach Brett Brown, he revealed after the game that Kyle O'Quinn was meant to come in for Tobias Harris, but the confusion stemmed because they got this new rotation going. Mm. But it's, uh, it's pretty funny if you haven't seen the clip. It definitely would have been in an old weekend whoopsie. <laughs> oh, yeah, Count those guys, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then like two of them try and get off. That's my other favorite part of the whole thing after the three goes. It's like, oh, I'll get off. Uh, see if anybody notices. But that's obviously a little mini loser. Um, they got the win. The Sixers did. This one, though. The NBA is shelving the vote on schedule overhaul, at least according to Woj. They, they no longer plan to have this vote in April with the owners to vote on a f- 
on this possible restructuring of the league calendar in a few years, teams were informed on Friday that it wants to continue studying and discussing those three very significant proposals of the calendar, an in-season tournament, a play-in tournament at the end, and then the reseeding of the conference finalists. Um, the, the NBA, I guess, had hoped that they would get two-thirds majority, which you would need to make these changes. So I wonder what the holdup is here. Like, have they heard from some of the owners and are not confident that this would be passed through? I don't know. Or is it just literally they want to, like, look at this more and try and come up with a consensus of when you would have the the uh, midseason tournament or in-season tournament? Because that's sort of still up for debate. Is it around Thanksgiving? And is, af- is it after uh, the new year, like right now, sort of? There's concerns about the conference finalist thing, which everybody thought was, like, the most obvious one. Like, oh, yeah, let's take the four best teams at the end and let's try and get the two best teams remaining in the finals regardless of conference, but there's travel concerns, concerns about travel mm. concerns. That's the, right. The uh, WNBA is having the plane, uh, the uh, mid-season tournament. They though, are, they? Commissioner's so Cup. I wonder if they thought, let's see how that goes. Let's see there how first. it goes. Yeah. yeah maybe. 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 Um, and and Woj in his article says, like, this isn't like a done deal. This doesn't mean, like, this is all off the board and that it's not even possible that it's in place for the 75th, uh, you know, anniversary of the NBA in a couple of years. But not right now. They're not going to vote in April. That can't be a good sign, though. <laughs> to me, yeah, feels like we're just going to be hearing about it again in uh, November of next year. Every single year, they'll come out with these ideas. We'll talk about it for three weeks, and then they'll be like, ah, I don't know. We got yeah. we got to talk about it a little more. Emergency pod. I thought we were going to have an emergency pod for them delaying the vote. <laughs> mm. Why the heck not? Let's yeah. talk schedule, baby. Yeah, you wonder if like they leak this, they get it out there to the to the NBA world and see what the reaction is and see how people definitely think about it. Like all, you know, oh, okay, this could work, or that's stupid, that'll never work. Also, apparently they're talking to the teams in great detail, and that some of the teams, according to Woj, wanted that in-season tournament a little bit later from starting at Christmas Day. Yeah, I know. It's kind of weird. Then the Thanksgiving little spot there. And then, and then look, the whole thing, too, is there is a reduction in this proposal, this, you know, in theory, from 82 games down to 78 regular season games. Well, you got to convince owners, some of these guys, like, uh, you're going to lose money on your home gates there. You're going to lose a couple, but there will be a financial loss, but in the big picture, you actually might make more money. Just go in that tournament. You get more home games. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, so those are our winners and losers from the NBA weekend. Let's hear from you guys. At No Dunks, Inc. Hashtag No Dunks. Task Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Tweet of To understand this tweet of the night, you have to know this meme featuring the great Paul Rudd. Let's hear it, JD. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I love that clip. It's, it's a great one. One more time, JD, because it's great. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul Rudd. Not you. Well, you this weekend, my friend. Paul Rudd is a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. They were in the AFC game this weekend. It's a big deal for any Chiefs fan. He was on his way to the game when Sports Illustrated writer Charlotte Wilder spotted him. She tweeted, Paul Rudd is on my flight to KC, and I'm fighting the urge to stop by his seat and say, hey, look at us. (laughs) Who would have thought? Just to see if he'll say, not me. She then reported, okay, I said hi to Paul Rudd and told him I was going to say, look at us, but that I didn't. And he seemed to appreciate that. Also said if he wanted to talk about the Chiefs, he could find me. And he said, okay, if I want to talk about the Chiefs, I'll find you. Very nice guy. 
Then, after the Chiefs won, Wilder tweeted a photo of her and Rudd with this. I found Paul Rudd in the Chiefs locker room and said, Hey, it's me, the girl from the plane. And he, he gives me a hug, glances around the room and says, Hey, look at us. Who would have thought? And I passed out. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Thank you so much for that, uh, that story from Charlotte Wilder. Also, I like this tweet. Fake Mike Malloy tweeted, Paul Rudd, not being Canadian doesn't feel right. Hmm. Totally true. Feels Canadian to me. According to his Wikipedia page, though, he had his bar mitzvah in the province of Ontario in Canada. So his penis is Canadian, sort of. Um, Wait, what? what? (laughs) Uh, He went to the University of Kansas. I'm just going to move on, JD. I don't don't want to explain that. I don't want to explain my weird way of thinking. Uh, He went to the University of Kansas. That's why he is a... uh, a big Chiefs fan, I guess he, he... He's a St. Louis guy, I think, too, right? Mm. I think he was born in the Jers, but uh, maybe he's at least spent a lot of time there in the Midwest hanging out, I so guess. So who do we got? We got Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl. Lee, who you like? The line right now, small. Kansas City favored by one and a half. Ooh, basically mm. a pick em. Give me the Niners. Yeah, I thought the 49ers looked great versus the Pack, unfortunately. Trey and I watched that one. Well, I mean, is Mostert going to be able to reprise his record-setting performance oh. on a big stage like the Super Bowl? We'll see. This guy was amazing. This guy's the next Barry Sanders, in my <laughs> opinion. He was killing it, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I also liked with the for- the um, excuse me the Chiefs that bad luck Chuck guy stayed home. Did you see that? From the game prior, he was the guy that left when his team was. The Chiefs were down like twenty-one nothing or twenty-four nothing, whatever right. it was, and he's like, you know, for the good of the kingdom here, I'm leaving, <laughs> and that became a big story. Patrick Mahomes was asked about it, so the Chiefs made sure he stayed at home and he was nowhere near uh, the game on this Sunday. Got it done. Crazy man. So I guess I guess he ain't going to the Super Bowl. He can't have bad luck, Chuck. There cannot. No, but uh, yeah. Who do you like, Tass? Chiefs 49ers. I got two weeks to think about oh. it. I don't know. Chiefs 49ers. I kind of want the underdog Chiefs to win. Yeah. I feel like the underdog team. Who you got in the Pro Bowl? AFC? <laughs> NFC? Ooh. Um, I like what I saw from the AFC this year. I like <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of good players. <laughs> don't, they play, don't they do um, like the skills like challenge or whatever they call their version of uh, three-point shootout, dunk contest? No, they the play. Quarterback a, throws it through a big hoop. Well, I don't, yeah, they used to. I don't <laughs> they know do if they that. still do. No, they, they, do. they play dodgeball. You know that? Oh, they literally have cool. a game of dodgeball, which I think is awesome. Should do that in the NBA, too. Every sport should play dodgeball. <laughs> Such a great idea. Um, yeah, okay, so, yeah, you're right. we got two weeks. My goodness. We having a Super Bowl party this year? Man. I don't know. It's on uh, Tass and his wife, really. Yeah, well, he's going to have a new one. I don't, I don't think we're having it at Tass's place. So we have to Why is it on wife. me? Well, because if your wife is... Uh, still pregnant then maybe we have it at your place okay but if she's giving birth you can feel free to have a party at your house <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. or catch. anybody else who wants it sure you can fire up some meat pies for us lately oh yeah you want to make you want to make it like grand final day hell yeah all right nice. started at midnight just take <laughs> <laughs> it comes over super late we're doing aussie rules right. let's get to picking results presented by cash app This segment is brought to you by Cash App, the number one finance app in the App Store. Cash App is the easiest way to send money to your friends, like paying up and you lose a bet that Cowboy Cerrone would last longer than a minute in the octagon with Conor McGregor. But Cash App does way more than that. That's right, we're talking about the cash card and of course the infamous boosts. 
which are like instant rewards for shopping at the places you already love. You're making money while making bulk buys. That's a double win. We're also excited to be working with Cash App to support one of our favorite organizations, the ACLU. When you sign up for Cash App and use the promo code NODUNKS, one word, not only will you instantly receive $10, but Cash App will also donate $10 to the ACLU. 20 bucks in 2020 makes sense, so don't forget the promo code NODUNKS, one word, when you download Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today. Friday night's game was the Hawks in San Antonio. Talked about it very briefly there. Spurs were favored by eight and a half. Looked good for a second, but no, no, no. Big Kev and the Hawks came back. Uh, Hawks cover, and Tass was the only one to take Atlanta. That win, maybe save Tass in the month of January. Would have put you pretty far back uh, with not a ton of games to go, but instead, Tass, he's five and seven. Trey and I, with the loss, are now six and six, and Lee is eight and four, so it's getting close here. What's our game today here on MLK Day? 14 games to pick from. Where are we going? My goodness. Uh, I'm going to go one with that's not on national television. Pacers at the Jazz. Should be a great one in Utah. Jazz are favored by 7.5. Mm. The Pacers on the second half of what many call the toughest back-to-back in the league, going from Denver to Utah. It's tough. Ugh, it's tough. An- another bigger, biggish line here. Around that that seven and a half mark. Go ahead, Lee. Elevation to elevation. Yeah. Can they deal with the air I, again? I think the Pisces can cover that. All right, you go with the cover. I'll go Jazz. Yeah, I think I'm also on the Jazz for this one. Third and four nights as well for the Pacers, and they had a tough one last night. Mm. Yeah, it's a very very tough. Back to back. Uh, so I'll go with the Jazz as well. Okay. Three of us taking Utah to win by eight or more. Only Lily taking the Pacers to cover. As I said, 14 games on today starting pretty soon at 2 p.m. Eastern here. What game are you guys most excited for? Raptors Hawks. Ah, caca. We're he- are you going down to the yes. game? Yes. Yeah, a lot of us heading down to the Raptors Hawks here at the Fortress in Atlanta. That's right. I feel like it's going to be one of those classic uh, Hawks games where it's like probably the Raps go up like. I don't know, 15 to 20, <laughs> but the Hawks will hopefully fight back and make it a game. I just hope for a close game. Mm. I mean, I'd like to see a Raps win. I'm going to have a Lowry jersey on. Don't you, don't you uh, bet against that. But uh, I just bet don't, against that. I just don't want a blowout. You know, uh, they probably. I'll have two jerseys on. <laughs> You're wearing both, huh? Yeah, Raptors Hawks. I have to. Oh have wow. to. I'm going. I'm going full Hawks tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, well, the girls will be wearing. Hawks. I don't want to be rooting against them. Oh, I don't yeah, like getting trash talked by my own. Kids. That that nice two thirty <laughs> start here in Atlanta, getting the kids out there, eh? Yeah, I'm expecting to see four to five minutes of actual gameplay. Oh, We're boy. going with five children. Yeah. So, oh yeah. my goodness. Mm-hmm. Not your own. <laughs> you know, Trey doesn't have <laughs> Yeah, I only ever talk about two of them. <laughs> There's another three just lurking. <laughs> Five of your nine kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Tess? Well, I want to see this Pelicans-Grizzlies game. The Grizzlies have the longest winning streak in the league right mm. now. It's seven straight games, and the Pels have been playing pretty well. Uh, that one on TNT should be a good one. Small market versus small market. Little guys versus little guys. Is that a day game too? That one. Five Eastern. Yeah. Oh, not bad. And then what we got is... another one on TNT. Lakers Celtics yeah. should be pretty good. And uh, like you said, that Pacers Jazz one uh, on Leap Pass should be awesome too. Seventy cool. yeah, Sixers Nets. Why not? That should be a good uh, game my as buddy, well. My buddy Grish heading down to see that one. How many kids are you going with? <laughs> well, he's got two that I know of. But he might have more. Bring a few more. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. That's it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. As I said, get your questions in for Beach Steppin'. And if you have Raptors questions, get them in because we'll be talking to Eric Kareen on a special podcast on Tuesday. No dunks at theathletic.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram 
at No Dunks Inc. Maybe we'll get a photo up of Lily rocking both Raptors <laughs> and Hawks gear. Probably blowing Corver kisses and everything <laughs> like that. Should be fun. We'll see you tomorrow. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, 14 games, triple header on TNT tonight. Enjoy. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.